Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, everybody, and thank you for joining us here on King Jordan Radio. It is Tuesday, March the 11th, on a day where we're going to discuss what went down on Monday Night Raw, what went down on TNA's pay-per-view. Here to discuss that with me is, first of all, let me introduce first, he is the Wrestling Insider, held out of Chicago. Let me introduce to you the one and only Double J, JJ. Good evening, JJ, and welcome to King Jordan Radio. Hey, King, great to be on. What a Monday Night Raw it was indeed. We now have five matches confirmed for WrestleMania 30, and finally, for the first time all year, I'm actually a little excited for WrestleMania 30, something I wasn't before, but now I'm finally getting excited for the big one. Okay, guest number two is from the wrestling hot seat. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, he is a wrestling historian, the one and only Dominic Valente. Good evening, Dominic, and welcome to King Jordan Radio. Jordan, what's up, bro? How you doing? I hear JJ's here. JJ, how you doing, brother? What's up, Dominic? Great to have you on, man. Ah, glad to be here. Okay. on a Tuesday night. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, I was talking to Dominic previously about TNA's lockdown. Dominic, why don't you start off on your thoughts on TNA, and then we'll go right to you, JJ. Okay. TNA was an unbelievable pay-per-view. TNA knows how to put on pay-per-views when every match is a good one. They had... uh, they had stuff on here, returning guys. Uh, we saw a couple of guys that are now, um, that were a heel and is now a fan favorite. The stars they brought in from the Great Muda's Wrestle One promotion were excellent. Uh, we had a new masked man from Mexico, uh, Extreme Tiger. Got a new name, but it, it was an unbelievable pay-per-view. Uh, the opening match was Wrestle 1, and it had Sonata, who is Saya Sonata, who's the new X-Division champion, who won the title when the guys from TNA went over to Japan. His partner was Yasu, and that's Yas- Yasufumi Nakanoi. And they teamed up with the Japanese legend, the Great Muda. What a trio. These guys were excellent. Doing stuff off the cage, unbelievable. They beat the bad influence of Christopher Daniels, Kazarian, and Chris Sabin. We saw Great Muda spit the mist and everything. It was just like watching old school Great Muda. That's the same uh, Great Muda had, from uh, WCW, what? though? What? Is that the same Great Muda uh, formerly from WCW? Yep, that's the Great Muda, the original. Wow. And he looked good. He's in tremendous shape, Muda. Okay. Uh, the next match, Samuel Shaw comes out looking for Christy Hemi. She's not at ringside. 
and he claims he's going to jump off the cage and end his life because he can't be with Christie. So Mr. Anderson comes out, talks him out of ending his life, and we get a match in the cage. And it was Mr. Anderson all the way winning it, beating the hell out of Samuel Shaw. The referee was knocked out, and Mr. Anderson got out of the cage. But being the referee was knocked out, he didn't see what happened. So Samuel Shaw grabs Christy Hemme and pulls her into the hole in the cage that's supposed to be for the camera. So while he's stalking her, Mr. Anderson gets the key out of the referee's pocket, makes his way back into the cage, and beats the hell out of um, Samuel Shaw. But Samuel Shaw locked his submission hold on and choked out Mr. Anderson. Referee woke up, sees what's going on. Mr. Anderson was out of it. He couldn't get his hand raised one, two, three times by the referee. So Christy Hemme ran up the, uh, the ramp. She was safe, but Samuel Shaw won the match. Ethan Carter III cuts a promo about injuring Kurt Angle. Kurt is not at the pay-per-view. He calls out anybody from the back. And out comes the returning Bobby Lashley. And he's pleading with Bobby Lashley to stop. Don't beat him up. You don't have a contract. You're not on the roster. Bobby Lashley does a couple of power moves on EC3. And then he gives him um, the, the spear and leaves him laying there. Then we got Tigre Uno, who's Extreme Tiger from AAA, Defeated Manic, who was called Suicide at one time, in a cage in an excellent match. Fans were going wild over this one. Gunner defeated the Cowboy James Storm in a match that was the last man standing. Crowd loved it. They hate Storm now, especially uh, with his comments on the military. And, oh, boy. What? They said, oh, boy. Yeah, with the comments he made last week. Madison Rain defeated Gail Kim with Lady Tapa uh, to retain the knockout title. Then we got Magnus defeated Samoa Joe in a steel cage to retain the TNA title. We see an arm come out from underneath the ring, ripped through the canvas, and it was Abyss who pulled Samoa Joe into the hole. So Samoa Joe is fighting, trying to climb out of the hole, continues the match. Abyss comes out, and he's helping Magnus. Magnus chokes, chokes out Joe with Joe's own, own finishing hold with um, Abyss cheering for Magnus. And we went backstage where um, Eric Young is yelling at Abyss, like, what the hell did you do? Why did you do that to Joe? And then we get the elimination match. Well, not the elimination match. The uh, Team Dixie taking on Team MVP in a excellent, excellent matchup with all these guys doing anything they can to win it. And with two guys starting and every couple of minutes another guy entering was uh, was real good because it started with one guy in each team, and because of a victory on impact, 
um, the heel team got the one-man advantage. So after the two guys started, the team advantage had gone to the heel team, which was first Austin Aries and MVP beginning it. So then a guy from Austin Aries' team came out, which was Robbie E. Then Eddie Edwards of the Wolves. Then Jesse Goddard of the Bromans. Davey Richards then came out, the other Wolf. Bobby Roode came out, and then came out Willow. All right? Meanwhile, during the show, Dixie Carter is saying, Jeff Hardy's not coming to ringside. He's not allowed in the building. He's done. Security is keeping him out. But Willow is Hardy under the mask. And Taz even commented when he pulled his T-shirt off, saying that the tattoos look familiar. So, wow. yeah, it was Hardy, so we got the return of him. Uh, the Wolves looked excellent. And when it came down to it, Dixie Carter calls out her insurance policy from New York. And who came out? Bully Ray. He was the guest referee. So he stood in the corner, minding his own business, just counting the pinfalls for the good guys and the bad guys, just doing it the same way for anybody. All of a sudden, he comes face-to-face with Bobby Roode. They stare at each other like, what are you doing here? Next thing you know, he picks up Bobby Roode, slams him through a table with the Bubba Bomb, and Bobby Roode is pinned. One, two, three, the winning team, team MVP. And MVP is standing there looking like, what just happened? <laughs> so now it looks like Bully Ray is back to being a fan favorite again. Yeah, that's a good thing, right? Excellent, excellent. The fans were that's chanting, good. Bully, Bully. <laughs> what are you giving and on, on the scale? websites was what happened after the pay-per-view. And Jeremy Borash says, Bully, why did you do what you did? He says, because I can. Oh, my God. Well what are you giving on a scale of 1 to 10, Dominic? What? What do you uh, give it on? I give it a 10. Wow. Yep. Wow. JJ, uh, what is your take of TNA's lockdown? Uh, but before we do that, uh, let's bring in Blackjack Brown. Good evening, Blackjack. Dominic King. JJ, how are you, how are you my, bro- my brothers? Blackjack, how you doing, man? Okay, we're doing good. Good. Okay, JJ, let me get your thoughts on TNA's lockdown, the one of only four pay-per-views for TNA. Well, I think uh, Dominic said a lot of great things, and he's right. Uh, I really love the international feel towards a lockdown, especially starting up with the Wrestle One guys from Japan, uh, great uh, Muda's, you know, the Yashu and... uh, Sonata, who's the X Division champion, as he mentioned, and uh, Bad Influence, Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, and a lot of people who know Christopher Daniels know that he is a big uh, comic book fan, and he came to the ring at first, they had these sort of Japanese uh, gion, and uh, sort of as a way to sort of, you know, show disrespect towards uh, the great Muda, and then they took it off, and it was they had this sort of blue and yellow gear it was very similar to the X-Men. So that was kind of interesting. If you're a comic book fan, you got a kick out of the X-Men gear. 
And uh, great match. Uh, like I said, the international feel of these Japanese wrestlers coming in here, mixing it up with the TNA guys was great. There was uh, one point in the match where uh, all the guys, I think, and Wrestle One did a triple drop kick. They all did a drop kick at the same time to, uh, it might have been Kazarian. It was just uh, a really great, fun match. And the Wrestle One guys looked great. The great Muda did his green mist, which is his signature. And it was just really cool to see. As Dominic said, he, he looked really good. It was a, a great six-man tag inside the uh, cage. A lot of fun. And the Wrestle One guys got the big victory. So I'm excited to see uh, what, what else Sonata does in the X Division, which I think he's definitely tailor uh, fit for that division. And I can't wait to see you know him interact again and hopefully have rematches with Austin Aries and a lot of the other guys like Chris Saban and so on. Uh, as, he, as Dominic pointed out, we saw Samuel Shaw, who, uh, again, he's, the way he's dressed, it just reminds me a lot of that uh, television series on Showtime, Dexter, where you have this creepy sort of serial killer, and he wears these brown shirts. And he wears these V-neck brown shirts and sort of cargo pants. And that's basically Samuel Shaw. He's this creepy guy. He wears these black gloves, the same brown V-neck shirt, the same cargo pants. And he's just been obsessed with Christy Hemme lately. And we finally have this match. And he's so upset that Christy doesn't return uh, her feelings for him that he's ready to jump off the cage. He climbs the top of the cage before the match even starts. He wants to jump off and... And Mr. Anderson, of course, being the loudmouth that he is, he comes down to the ring with the microphone in hand, and he says, you know what, that steel cage is not high enough. So how about you come down into the <laughs> ring? And, you know, and it was just it was a lot of fun. Mr. Anderson, you know, he's just great on the mic. And uh, just a good match. Uh, I enjoyed it. As Dominic pointed out, there was a, a point where Anderson escaped the cage. He should have won, but the referee was down. He didn't see the escape. And at this point, uh, one thing different about TNA cage matches is they have these sort of cutout squares inside the cage so where the cameraman can put the, uh, the camera in the cage so you're not getting that sort of fence. So you can actually see the action clear in the ring, which I like. But in this case, Christy was ringside. She was cheering on Anderson. He got the win, supposedly, even though the referee went down, didn't see it, didn't announce him the winner. So Samuel Shaw takes Christy, who's outside the ring, and he drags her through that hole in the cage. So now you've got Samuel Shaw with Christy inside the cage. So Anderson, being the good guy, comes to the rescue. But at this point, Samuel Shaw locks in that choke of his. It's, a, it's another great submission move that's just perfect for his character because it basically kind of looks like a hug. It looks like a hug, but the way he has his arms wrapped around your neck, he's choking you out. It's a great move for him, and like I said, his character, he chokes out Ken Anderson, and then, of course, he escapes the cage. By this point, the referee gets up, sees Samuel Shaw outside the cage, and announces him as the winner. So another point uh, that was really I was interested in was Ethan Carter III, a guy who hasn't done a whole lot in TNA yet, a guy who was rejected by the WWE. However, he did do something that I really enjoy, something that not a lot of wrestlers do, and he played towards the fans. Now, what I mean is he issued an open challenge 
because Kurt Angle was injured, and he was having, uh, I don't know, something with his knee or his leg. He was hurting. He had to have surgery, so he wasn't going to be competing at the pay-per-view. So EC3 had an open challenge, and sure enough, the fans in TNA were chanting CM Punk. But Ethan Carter was smart, and he goes, oh, ho, listen, you're not hijacking this show. So I, just, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I enjoy when the, when the fans, you know, when they're giving it to the wrestlers and the wrestlers actually acknowledge them. Stuff like that, it means a lot to me. I think it's cool. You know, lots of times in the WWE, the wrestlers, they ignore what the fans are saying. And, you know, sometimes I understand. But I just thought that was cool, so I just wanted to point that out. And as Dominic mentioned, a returning Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley, who has been in TNA before, but uh, he's been really focused on his MMA career. He left had some fights, but now supposedly maybe he's back. I don't know what his situation is with TNA, but as Taz said, you know what? I'm happy to see Bobby Lashley in TNA right now. I think he just came in at the right time when things do feel kind of new and different, and, you know, maybe he'll have a nice run here. I don't know. But uh, next up uh, was that match between Manic and uh, Tigre Uno, which... Wow, I really enjoyed this match. This match to me represented everything that the X Division was all about. And this is one of the reasons why TNA was so successful in the start. The X Division made that company. To see these two guys just go at it. And if anything, I felt the cage, because every match is contested inside a steel cage at lockdown, I thought the cage actually kind of... It worked against them because these guys were going all over the place, fast-paced wrestling, just, you know, flying around doing all kinds of, you know, amazing things. And the cage kind of, you know, it kind of limited them. So I would love to see a rematch, hopefully on a future impact, where these guys can be bouncing off the ropes, going, doing suicide dives and, you know, flying plungers and just really cut loose. But I really enjoyed the match. Uh, Tigre Uno got the victory. There was one point where he did a, a cradle suplex to Manic, and he just dropped them right on his head. It was just vicious. Uh, really, really uh, exciting match. Uh, as Dominic pointed out, the last man standing match between Jane Storm and Gunner, a very physical fight. I mean, before they even got into the cage, they were already roaming the, the arena, and they were just going back and forth. It was uh, just you know, real good fight, and uh, James Storm definitely does that uh, better than anyone in TNA. Gunner, who looked really good, I, I'm really liking him more and more uh, each and every week, and I think he's really come a long way. The big finish to this match was actually very dangerous because uh, Gunner and Storm were at the top rope, and Gunner was about to land a top rope suplex to James Storm, and they had these two-seated uh, folding chairs in the middle of the ring, and Gunner was going to suplex him onto the chairs. And one of the reasons why I say it's so dangerous, because if you by any you know, means are disoriented or if you don't hit that you know, spot where you're hitting the chairs where they're seated, and God forbid you hit the back, that standing, you could seriously injure somebody. So I was just thankful that when he suplexed them, you know, Storm was okay, and he, he stayed down for the count, but uh, it definitely took its toll on James Storm, and Gunner got the victory uh, ending that feud, at least for now. Whether or not James Storm gets retribution uh, in the future, we'll see. He still holds the uh, briefcase for a shot at the tag team title. 
So who knows what happens then? Uh, the the knockouts had a really nice championship match. Madison Rain, Gail Kim. You know, say what you will about the Divas division and WWE, but the Knockouts division, I think they definitely give a little bit more freedom to show that, you know, we can do the same stuff that the guys do. And they really did. They did their very best inside that steel cage. Gail Kim landed a uh, top rope neck breaker to uh, Madison Rain that just looked violent. It just was real nasty. And uh, it was, a, like I said, good match. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was, you know, a hard-fought match, but Madison Rain retains her knockouts title. The TNA world title between Magnus and Joe, uh, you know, Dominic mentioned towards the end of that match, you know, we saw the monster abyss was working with Magnus. Although this isn't the first time we've seen a monster come out from underneath the ring and join the sort of quote-unquote corporate champion. I think there may or may not be something like that going on right now, somewhere else, but anyway, uh, just to say, it was very interesting to see. We've seen Abyss change so much in TNA when he was just a mindless monster who was putting people through barbed wire and thumbtacks, and then through the last, you know, two years or so, we've seen this Joseph Park character, who's this attorney at law, who's kind of goofy and doesn't know how to wrestle, and very comedic and fun, and then recently (laughs) we've learned that Joseph Park is the monster of this, and now he sort of has this identity crisis. So, and right now it seems that Magnus was the one to get through to him, and right now he's working with the champ. So, it's very curious to see what happens now between Abyss and Eric Young, who used to be partners, but now the monster Abyss is working with Team Dixie and uh, their corporate champion Magnus, who a lot of the fans call their paper champion. And then the main and event. You, okay, continue. I'm sorry. The main event, lethal lockdown. There was a, a big, big swerve. You know, Dixie Carter had her ace in the hole, which was Bully Ray, the guy from New York, who she thought she had this match in the bag and she was going to have creative control over the operations at TNA. And it turned out Bully Ray, you can't control Bully Ray. Bully Ray is out for himself, and he's going to do what he wants to do. I mean, it wasn't too long ago he was running Aces and Eights, which was basically anti-sort of TNA, and they were going all up against Dixie Carter and TNA. So it's not too surprising to see Bully Ray, again, anti-authority and just kind of doing what he wants to do. And he caused Dixie Carter control of TNA, and there was a definitely it's going to be interesting to see what happens now with MVP in charge uh, of TNA sort of operations. He's not the owner per se, but he is in charge of the control, creative control and TNA and the matchmaking. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a new sort of exciting time with uh, TNA, and I'm looking forward to see what happens. I think it was a really great pay-per-view, like Dominic said. I'd definitely give it a B plus. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Okay, before we get into Raw, let me play you a clip from uh, one of the highlights of Raw last night as Triple H agrees to a match with Daniel Bryan. All right, Daniel, congratulations. You got your own little Occupy Raw movement. And while I'm happy all of you could have a moment, now this is the part where reality comes crashing down on all of you. You all... That includes all of you. Have about 30 seconds to get out of our ring before we call security and have you all arrested. 
I'll give you the 30. Talk amongst yourselves. Come on! I know the fat guy right up front doesn't have much more in him. I can see him sweating. Come on! Give it to me, Chubby! Come on! Oh, you petered out, didn't you? That's too bad, because your 30 seconds of glory are up, you losers. Security! Good. Wait, 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 wait. Wait a second, Hunter. You want us to leave? What do you think if everybody here in this Coliseum just walks out to the parking lot right now? We can set up our own ring and you can have Raw in front of an arena of empty chairs. What do you think about that, Hunter? I think they'd do it too. Security! Throw all these people out. That's it. Uh-oh, uh guys, Roll here they line. come. Here they come. All two of them. All two of them. How are they going to get rid of all these people? <laughs> They're not. This is disrespectful. This, this is embarrassment. Well, why do you go do something, John? You go remove all these we're, people. We're the John, we clear that ring. Stephanie and Hunter. 
embarrassing for Daniel Bryan. Go ahead, Hunter. Give us what we want, and we'll give you your show back. It's as simple as that. You guys like to lay out ultimatums. I'm laying out an ultimatum, too. You don't get your show back until we get what we want. You want to know what the truth is, Daniel? Truth is, I actually like you. I actually saw something in you. So you know what? I took it upon myself to try to protect you. To protect you from everything that would happen when you were successful. You would be run out of here. So I tried to protect you. I protected you at SummerSlam. I protected you ever since then. And what happens? This happens? You want to know why I didn't fight you at WrestleMania? For your own good, Daniel. Because I will end all of this. Because at WrestleMania, I will not stop until I end you. That's the way I operate. And that's the way it's going to be. You want to fight me at WrestleMania? Oh, boy. Then be careful what you wish for. You're on. Oh, man. It's going to happen. Daniel Bryan got what he wanted. Now, shut up and get the hell out of my ring. Daniel Bryan pushed Triple H. Wait, 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 wait. Hunter, 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 Hunter. I'm sorry. I didn't, um, I misspoke earlier. Uh, that's, that's not exactly all that I want. You see, because as much as these people want to see me fight you at WrestleMania, what they really want is to see me fighting for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Oh my gosh! And like the sound of that. So here is what we really want. If I beat you at WrestleMania 30, I get added to the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match so that then the main event would be Randy Orton versus Batista versus Daniel Bryan! <laughs> what? Oh, man. Hunter's gonna blow a gasket here. Here he comes, here he comes. Thank you, security. Why are you throwing a Why are you throwing a You want that? You want that? You get all of it. You get me. You get your deal. Get out of my ring, and I am gonna end this. And WrestleMania, you can bet your ass. Daniel Bryan has pushed the COO over the edge. And it works. Daniel Bryan and the Yes Movement gets what it wants. Look at this. Not only a match with Triple H in WrestleMania, but if Daniel Bryan can beat the game, he's got an opportunity on the same night for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, I meant it's the game. Oh, my God, J.J., can you believe what we just heard? What was your take of that and war last night? 
that was the moment that the wrestling fans, especially WWE fans, have been waiting for the last six months, if not since SummerSlam. They've been wanting to see Daniel Bryan main event WrestleMania, and he keeps losing the title, and he doesn't get the opportunities, or there's bad finishes, all these sort of obstacles that have prevented him to be the champion, that have prevented him from being the main event of WrestleMania. He wasn't even in the Royal Rumble and it kind of makes me wonder, was all this done on purpose? Was there this sort of yes movement where the fans have been going online, they've been petitioning the WWE, and are their voices actually being heard? Are the WWE actually changing what they originally wanted to do to make the demands of the fans, or was this the purpose all along? That's the thing I really wonder about, but, you know, at first, you know, it's WrestleMania 30. You're going to watch it. You're going to enjoy it. It's the biggest show of the year, no matter what's on there. Half the time, the tickets sell out, and it's not even, you know, no one even knows what's going to be on the card. It's just WrestleMania. It's something special. So uh, it's something that, you know, fans wanting to see Daniel Bryan, knowing that he probably wasn't going to get the main event. He's feuding with Triple H, which is not exactly something everyone wants to see. But, you know, this is the match that they're going to make. So the fans, of course, behind Brian. And then all of a sudden, they hijacked the show. They did something that Chicago didn't do. you got to understand, in Chicago, it was the CM Punk show, and the guy wasn't even there. The fans made their voices heard. The guy wasn't there. They're not going to just ask all the CM Punk fans to come to the center of the ring and then hijack the show. That's not going to happen. So the WWE, being so smart, they said, you know what, if the fans want to hijack the show, we're going to let them, but we're going to do it our way. So they had Daniel Bryan go into the ring and pull out all these other Daniel Bryan fans wearing his shirt. I believe one of the guys there was the uh, Rick, Rick the sign guy, who you'll see every so often at WWE live events. He wears those uh, blue shirts with the red cap, you know, you see him all the time at WWE events. He was a part of the the Occupy Raw movement that happened yesterday on Raw. And all these fans in the ring, surrounding the ring, ringside. And then all of a sudden, Triple H asked security to come down and throw these fans out. And only two security men come down. How many times have we been watching wrestling over the years where two superstars are battling each other and there's about 10 to 15 to 20 security guys coming down and separating just two people? This time we have an entire ring filled with I don't know how many fans and they just bring out two security guys. It's kind of funny to me, but again, it's a great moment. It's something that was very special. The fans in Memphis were going nuts. They were embracing it. It was a lot of fun. And what are you going to do? There's, it's an entire army against these two security guys. So the security guys, we can't do anything. What do you want us to do? And the fans there are going, no, no, no. So, you know, Triple H and Stephanie, are, they're getting angrier and angrier. And Stephanie is one of the only women in the world who truly frightens me. When she does that screech and she screams at you, my God, that's the most horrifying thing I've ever heard. She was getting angrier and angrier and angrier, and it was just making the moment greater and greater. Finally, Triple H caves in. He wants to get control over the situation, and he caves in, and he goes, fine, you want a match against me at WrestleMania? You got it. And the fans there were happy, 
because, yeah, that's what Daniel Bryan has been asking for the past few weeks, but it's still not what, what the fans want. It's not what we want. We want him in the main event. So at the time, I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but I still wasn't really sold on it yet. I wasn't into that yet. And then Daniel Bryan surprised me, and he says, well, there's just one more thing. And then he made the announcement that if I can beat you, I want to be added to the main event of WrestleMania 30, the Batista versus Randy Orton match for the world, for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And that's when they finally sold me, and I became a fan again. And I'm finally looking forward to WrestleMania 30. A guy who's been busting his ass for the last year or two years, where this yes movement really started. And it's just great to see him get what he deserves. Even if he doesn't win the title, who knows what happens in the, you know, WrestleMania 30. But we're, I'm just happy to see him in the main event. If he can win the title, it would be a real great WrestleMania moment, something that we, we haven't seen since 10 years ago at WrestleMania 20 when Benoit won the world title and they had confetti and Eddie Guerrero was there. It was a really special moment. Hopefully the WWE capitalizes off that and they kind of recreate that moment with Daniel Bryan. So that's something I'm very excited to see. You know, I enjoyed Raw. It was a, a good show. Memphis is usually a great wrestling town. The show kicked off with Hulk Hogan coming out and announcing another match for WrestleMania 30. But no, it's not Hogan. He's not wrestling, so don't worry. But uh, he introduced a first-ever 30-man over-the-top battle royal Andre the Giant Memorial uh, Trophy. So it will be a 30-man battle royal, which I I think that's really cool. It kind of reminds me of the old days of WrestleMania when you had those battle royals. And it's a great way for guys who maybe wouldn't be on the card to say, well, you know what, we may not be having a one-on-one match or a tag match, but at least you're at the showcase of Immortals. You're wrestling at WrestleMania 30. You're part of the show. So I'm glad a lot of guys will get an opportunity. I'm just going to state right now, there's only one superstar in my mind who deserves to win that uh, 30-man over-the-top battle royal Andre the Giant uh, trophy, and that's got to be the big show, another giant. Yeah, I was thinking that too. And John Cena is also in it, right? Yeah, well, that's that's what we thought because when Hogan made the announcement, John Cena came out and says, Hogan, I want to be the first entrant in that battle royal. And cue the Wyatts. The Wyatts came out and they pretty much said, you know what, they want John Cena at WrestleMania 30. Bray Wyatt wants a one-on-one match. And Cena, he's been sick and tired of all this kind of uh, attacks that they've been doing at the Elimination Chamber and, uh, you know, on Monday Night Raw, they've been attacking him and his matches interfering. So Cena said, you know what, let's do it. WrestleMania 30, let's have that match. John Cena versus Bray Wyatt. So I don't know whether or not Cena will compete in that uh, over-the-top battle royal, but uh, he definitely is scheduled for WrestleMania. It's official now. Cena versus Bray Wyatt is definitely happening. And this is the first time Cena's not in the main event of Romania, what, in like five years? Yeah, it's kind of big. You know, a lot of people were concerned whether or not Cena was going to main event, regardless if he's the champion or not. You know, Bray Wyatt is interesting as a character that he is. 
I don't think, you know, no offense to the guy, I'm a fan, but I don't think he deserves to be the show closer that night. So I'm hoping that, you know, they aren't the main event. So, you know, we'll see what happens, where they're placed on the card. Well, I'll tell you what, back in the day, uh, you would have seen Hulk Hogan get attacked from John Cena. That would have made the main event right then and there. I was hoping for that to happen, but it didn't happen. And when Hogan was carrying on uh, with the chairs and stuff like that, old school way would have been John Cena, the clothesline, uh, Hogan. uh, That would have been topped it off for me. What do you think, Dominic? That would have been great, but Hogan, if if he back in the day, I'm talking about that back in the day. I'm not talking about now. Oh, back in the day, it would have been great. Back in the day, that would have been great, and that's probably what they would have done. I tell you what, right right now it would have been good because Hogan versus Cena, I'd rather see that than than Wyatt, with all due respect to, you know, Wyatt, because uh, just the fan reaction, I know it's not going to be a good match, obviously, because Hogan can't wrestle, but the build-up and all that stuff would have been really good. Now, with three hip uh, surgeries and uh, God knows what else he's done to his body. You know, all kinds of steroids, uh, definitely in the 90s. Uh, I can't see Hulk Hogan uh, putting in a WrestleMania match anymore. And but I'm Dominic, sure he would have had one, if he, if he could, if he could do it, he would definitely would have had one more match and to retire in the WWE at WrestleMania 30, it would have been the best thing for him. But we're going to see him in this kind of capacity, which is going to be even great. And also for that uh, trophy, my pick will be he's not entered yet. We've got to see this thing develop. But I think it might even be CM Punk in this battle world to make up for uh, this uh, what happened at the Rumble when he walked out, you know, around that time, you know. So that's what I'm thinking. How about you, Dominic? What's your thoughts on the Battle Royal, uh, Daniel Bryan, and Raw in itself? Well, I think Daniel Bryan, I hope he wins the title. I hope he wins the three-way. I hope he beats the hell out of Triple H, and I hope he wins the three-way. You look at it this way, he'll be the only good guy in there. Batista is supposed to be cheered, but they're hating on Batista because he came in and everybody else took a back seat. Batista's not right. in the shape he used to be. He gets winded. He's all out of breath. Randy Orton is getting cheered again, which is what he doesn't want. He always wants to be the bad guy. So with Daniel Bryan being in there, that actually puts a good guy in the match against two heels who normally, if Daniel Bryan wasn't in that match, the fans would shit all over it because they want Daniel Bryan in there. Yeah. Like at the Royal Rumble, we thought Punk was going to be number 30, and he wasn't. Rey Mysterio Jr. came out number 30 and got booed, not because they hate Ray Ray, just the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Oh, 100%. What's your thoughts on the the Andre the Giant Battle Royal? Well, the Andre the Giant Battle Royal... J.J., you're right. If somebody should win it, it's got to be Big Show. Yeah, I don't want to really... see nobody else win it but Big Show. 
They yeah. used to bill on a uh, big show was Andre the Giant's son when he first started in in WCW. I think he's didn't a big man. He's tough. Let him win it. In WCW Nitro days, didn't they used to hint that the big show was Andre's son? Yes, they did. Yeah, that's what I just said, yeah. Unbelievable. But there's no truth to that, right? No. No. Andre had a daughter, I think, but he, he had no sons. Oh, okay. And uh, other things the Usos competed on war as the New Age Outlaws uh, looked on. Uh, yeah. Dominic, what were your thoughts on that? The Usos are a tremendous team. I love them. They're the sons of Rikishi. And with the New Age Outlaws, the New Age Outlaws can still go. They can give anybody a great matchup. Uh, I like I like the Rhodes brothers, too. And people are saying they're going to have Cody against Goldust at WrestleMania. But if you ask, if you read all the all the things that Goldust wrote, he's not facing his brother at WrestleMania. I think it'll be a good match, but I don't think we're going to see it. We also had Biggie Langston and Jack Swagger duke it out. What'd you think of that match? Yeah, the match was all right. You knew Biggie was going to win it. Swagger is going to probably split from from. Zeb Coulter anyway. JJ, what was your thoughts on that match? Well, the the match wasn't important uh, in this instant. What was important was telling the story uh, that uh, Dominic would just brought up was that Jack Swagger, Antonio Cesaro, and Zeb Coulter, how things are kind of rocky right now. So this whole match was just their way of trying to get that over. Uh, Jack Swagger, the match started off where he told Cesaro, I don't want you to interfere in my match at all. And Cesaro didn't. He stood uh, ringside with his hands folded, and he didn't do. He didn't lift a finger for Swagger. And it got to the point where Big E was um, by the ropes, and you know Jack was kind of hinting to, to Cesaro, you know, you know, you know, hit him, take him out, do something, give me the advantage. And Cesaro just kind of looked at him and just kind of laughed. He, you know, you told me not to do anything, so I'm not doing anything. Yeah. He didn't do anything. And Big E got the victory. So now you got Jack Swagger pissed off. But because of you, I lost. And, you know, Cesaro's just there laughing at him. And he's just eating it up. So now you got Coulter playing the peacemaker and trying to get Swagger and Cesaro back together. And he, he goes, shake hands. So, you know, they, they shook hands. But Cesaro just put a little extra something into the handshake just to let uh, Swagger know that, you know, he means business. And, you know, he's not going to be pushed around. So... It's very curious where this goes. Uh, as Dominic and Blackjack pointed out, you know, we really thought that it would be a Gold Dust versus Cody Rhodes. I don't know if it's going to happen. They should put their tag team together versus each other. That's where it should go. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if that's going to happen now because now it might be Swagger and Cesaro splitting. So, you know, it's hard to say what happens between now and WrestleMania and then what happens on WrestleMania. You know, you want to make sure you have a big moment Maybe Cody turning on, you know, Goldust is that moment. Maybe it happens at Mania and not before Mania. We definitely will see some moments at Mania, I'm telling you. Dominic, what about the uh, Paul Heyman and Undertaker, uh, you know, uh, as they were talking it out there? What would you think of that segment? I think Undertaker's going to destroy Brock Lesnar at the pay-per-view. I really do. The streak is going to stay intact. And maybe Undertaker will even pin Paul Heyman. We don't know, but I got a feeling uh, 
Brock Lesnar bit off a little more than he can chew this time. He may be the beast in college, or whatever Paul Heyman calls him, the beast incarnate, or college, or whatever it is. Undertaker's winning this one. JJ, what happened when the Big Show and Daniel Bryan took on base Batista and Randy Orton? Well, that was the main event of Raw. We saw a tag match between Daniel Bryan and the Big Show taking on Batista and Randy Orton. And uh, it was a, a good match, you know, as uh, Dominic pointed out. Batista may not be there conditioning-wise to actually be in a main event like WrestleMania, but, you know, a tag match or, let's say, a triple threat match at Mania, he'll be definitely better suited for, you know, let the other guys do the work. So, you know, he had another tag match here where he looked, you know, all right. You know, Randy Orton was in there getting the job done. Nice back and forth between, you know, Daniel Bryan doing what he does best and just running that pace, getting the fans behind him. And Daniel Bryan got the victory over Randy Orton. Daniel Bryan just pinned, you know, the WWE World Champion. So he's going into WrestleMania with a lot of momentum. Although, granted, these days, everybody beats Randy Orton. Hell, Kofi Kingston beat Randy Orton. (laughs) Dominic, what about Kofi? Goldust and Cody against Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. What happened there? You know, the Shield is way over. All three guys are way over. They're loving Roman Reigns. I think he's going to be the next breakout star. I really do. Roman Reigns is unbelievable. First, I didn't like the Shield. But I uh, I like Dean Ambrose as a single guy. Of course, we know Seth Rollins is Tiger Black from Ring of Honor. We've seen him do... A lot of the high-flying stuff recently, but not as much as he's done in Ring of Honor. But the big powerhouse is Roman Reigns. Everybody seems to like him. JJ, what's your thoughts? Oh, yeah, that was a a great tag match. The whole uh, reasoning behind that match was Triple H and the authority. They wanted to give S.H.I.E.L.D. an opportunity to uh, sort of redeem themselves because they lost the tag team titles to the Rhodes brothers, and ever since then, they haven't really been the same, and there's always this talk of the Shield splitting or not seeing eye-to-eye with one another, and this was their chance to get a victory over the Rhodes brothers, and that's exactly what they did. You know, Roman Reigns, uh, Seth Rollins, they work well together. Seth Rollins is uh, very exciting to watch. As Dominic pointed out, he does uh, a lot of high-flying, maybe not as much as Ring of Honor, but he's still... Very exciting uh, in the WWE. He definitely keeps up that sort of fast pace, that sort of momentum when he's in the ring and he's flying around. He's doing things that, you know, you really got to keep an eye on him because he's in two or three places at once. He's just so quick. So he's a lot of fun to watch. Roman Reigns, who I think is a guy who's improved so much. You know, when the Shield first started, one of the first people I had my eye on was Dean Ambrose. Something about that guy just stood out the way he carries himself in the ring. It was just someone who stood out for me. And then I saw Seth Rollins, who was a very great uh, wrestler as well. And Roman Reigns, I kind of saw in the background, he was quiet. Now he's been giving a lot of uh, attention. He's been given a lot of opportunities to kind of steal the show at Survivor Series. He was the sole survivor at the Royal Rumble. He threw out nearly uh, a quarter of the people. He threw out the 13 whatever eliminations. He set the record. And now he's going into WrestleMania with a lot of fanfare. So he's definitely someone to look out for. And he's definitely carried himself very well. He's got some really uh, big impact moves. People love that sort of drop kick 
he does when someone's on the ropes and he's on the floor and he does this running drop kick where he drop kicks the person on the rope and he sort of lands on the edge of the apron. It's a great move. Fans love it. He does that Superman punch where he kind of, you know, sort of jacks his wrist to show that he's going for the punch. He punches the mat and then he sort of runs towards his opponent and he sort of cocks his arm back and just nails him with the punch. It's an exciting move. So, you know, Roman Reigns is doing very well, and, you know, we look forward to seeing what happens with S.H.I.E.L.D. next. And what about the ladies' match with the Bellas, I believe, and Natty Nighthawk was involved? What yes, went down that? The Bellas did have a match against Tamina and AJ with Natty on commentary, and, of course, they're getting ready for the second season of Total Divas. So they're definitely trying to get some airtime to promote the show. And the, the Bellas, they got the victory over A.J. Lee. A.J. Lee, who is still the Divas champion, she is one of the longest reigning Divas champions, not nearly as long, of course, as the fabulous Mula, who was the women's champion for over a decade. But, you know, they're trying to build A.J. as this, you know, tough champion who can't be beat, even though she was defeated in that tag match. You know, she still somehow keeps that title around her waist, and that could change at WrestleMania. Unfortunately, Naomi got hurt. I think she was supposed to take the title off AJ, so now they have to come up with a backup plan. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and then they gave, they show us the promo that WrestleMania is, well, now it's 26 days away, and... Uh, then they show, uh, you know, what I previously played with uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Daniel Bryan getting his match. And I, I think the reason they did this is they said to themselves, Randy Orton, Batista, nobody's going for this shit. We have to make this a three-way. So, in my opinion, look for a uh, three-way to occur. I think Daniel Bryan will definitely win. Batista, nobody cares about, nobody likes. Orton, what can I say? He's not a main event, but he's okay. But nonetheless, that's why they added another guy or that stipulation for another guy. Yeah, Daniel Bryan has to win his match. I thought, with... Yeah, I thought he wins the match and then goes for the winner. Yeah, if he wins the match. Yeah, yeah if he, oh, he like goes for the winner. When he wins the match... He goes up against Batista and Orton. Yeah. They make right. it a three-way if he beats Triple H. In other words, WWE officials probably said to themselves, nobody's going for this shit with Batista and Orton, and I'm not going for it. And, you know, a lot of people are not really interested in it. You don't care if it's $5 for the pay-per-view. Wouldn't they make so, it for him to get go for the title of the winner of uh Batista and Orton? I thought no. that was happening. No. No. It's going to be a three-way. No, they made it a three-way. As, as, yeah. long, as, as long as um, Daniel Bryan beats Triple H, he's in. Provided yeah. they don't screw him and have friggin' Kane come down or something and interfere mm-hmm. and cause well, Daniel Bryan a match and Triple H wins, then Daniel Bryan don't go into the three-way main event. One thing they can do that... I don't see that happening, though. You know, he said, if CM Punk returns, which, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. Actually, it was just announced this week that Phil Brooks is scheduled to appear, his first television appearance, on The Talking Dead this Sunday. He wasn't billed 
as CM Punk. He was billed as Phil Brooks. So Phil Brooks will be on the Talking Dead. But let's say he's back to negotiating with the WWE. Maybe he appears at WrestleMania 30. I wouldn't put him in the Battle Royal as a surprise entrance. What I would do is have that match happen between Daniel Bryan, Triple H. We know some for some reason Kane will come down and try to screw Daniel Bryan out of the main event picture. What would it do to that audience in New Orleans if CM Punk comes to Daniel Bryan's rescue and ensures that Bryan wins his match against Triple H and then goes on to that main event into the triple threat between Orton and Batista? That would be huge if they are working with Punk. Again, I don't know. And in a no-DQ match, J.J., Christian and Sheamus put on one hell of a match if Sheamus gets W. What was your thoughts on that match? Well, this was a special match because it was a match who fans could vote for on the WWE app. You had a choice of having a street fight or a false count anywhere or uh, I forgot the third choice. But, uh, you know, the fans chose street fights. This was actually the first time I actually even voted for one of these app things, and I voted Street Fight. I want to see these guys beat the hell out of each other. We've seen so many matches between them in the recent weeks. I want to see something different. I want to see them cut loose. And Christian's a guy who does very well in that hardcore setting. And all the tables matches, ladder matches, he definitely made the most of the rules of that match. It was a physical match, and uh, it actually ended really well where Christian, because they were in Memphis, and, you know, Elvis is from Memphis, they had a sort of like a band set up with a drum kit, guitars, all that stuff. Well, Christian grabbed the drum, and he was running towards uh, Seamus to kind of bash him with it. Seamus saw that, and he sort of took off and did his broke kick, and he kicked the drum. His foot went through the drum. It broke the front of the drum and the back of the drum, and it kicked. Christian right in the face. It was a great way to end that match. So uh, Sheamus got the win. I don't know if they're going to have another match possibly at WrestleMania, but I don't think we've seen the last of these two. I don't think so either. That was a great spot with the drum. It was funny, yeah. WWE announces that Raw, and locally at least, will be uh, coming to Brooklyn March 24th. And uh, if Hogan keeps showing up, I guess that would be the debut time and it go Hogan in, uh, at the Barclays Center. I think Hogan will be there, without a doubt. I think Hogan's going to be at the Barclays. Then we had the big shoot. Uh, no, then we had the main event, I believe with uh, the Big Show joining forces with Brian against uh, against Batista, against Batista, and who's the other guy? That one. Right. What did you think of that match? I thought it was a good old-school team, <clears throat> you know, a throwback team, Orton and Batista. But yeah. Big Show and Daniel Bryan were amazing. The superpowers of Big Show and the speed of Daniel Bryan and the crowd behind him, how could they lose? There's, there's no way they were going to lose. JJ? 
Well, yeah, I think, uh, you know, as we pointed out earlier, you know, the big show, Daniel Bryan, two opposites. You got one of the, the world's largest athletes, and then you got Daniel Bryan, who's not the biggest guy in the yard, but, you know, he'll fight the hardest, and he always, you know, puts out a tremendous performance. He gives his, his body and all when he's in that ring. And, you know, what he, you know, he lacks in size, he makes up with, you know, hard uh, fortitude. So he definitely, you know, had a really great uh, uh, outing with the big show. They worked well together. They played off each other well. And uh, it was fun to see. Uh, anytime you can get Batista and Randy Orton in the ring together, if you love them or hate them, they're still, they're the guys, you know, 10 years ago who were in evolution. So there's a part of me that's kind of cool to see Orton and Batista teaming again. You kind of have that evolution reunion. So yeah. that was, it, was a really, it was a really cool uh, tag match. I liked it. Absolutely, you hit it right on the head. Well, let's go listen to it archive. Will Daniel Bryan win the, the WWE title at WrestleMania 30? This is archived uh, before uh, Raw. Let's then we have Daniel Bryan confronting the authority. And I, I will say that I have not seen Triple H and Stephanie. Stephanie in particular get this kind of heat since this whole angle started. She was getting so much heat and so many boos from the crowd. I, I could not... It was hard for me to understand what she was saying, and I had emails from people who were in the building who said they couldn't hear her at all. I mean, they just were chanting and assuming that she was saying bad stuff about Daniel Bryan because they couldn't make out the words that were coming out of her mouth that was so loud in the building. Uh, and, and again, I think Chicago is one of the better crowds, and part of that may have been the hijacked people who were chanting for, for Punk and Bryan and whatever. Uh, but it made for a great atmosphere in the segment. WWE got exactly what they wanted. They got great heel heat on the heels. And what's funny about this is they had Brian come out, and Brian used the word hijack in his promo. At one point, he rallied the crowd and said, let's hijack Raw. And like puppets, everybody cheered. They said, yeah, let's hijack the show. So I think it was brilliant on WWE's part the way they manipulated the crowd. Because the crowd thought they were there to hijack the show. In reality, WWE hijacked the crowd, and they didn't even realize it. So I thought that was a brilliant move on their part, you know, kind of working that into the show in a very subtle way. And the fans just went along with it, just like they were supposed to. Um, so we had some loud asshole chants during the segment for Triple H, just like the old days. And once again, he rejected Brian's challenge to a match at WrestleMania. You know, why would I wrestle a B-plus player? Why would I lower myself to wrestle somebody like you? WrestleMania is the biggest event of the year. I wrestle legends and big stars, and you're none of them. And he told Brian to get out of the ring. Brian said, why don't you make me? Which led to Stephanie calling Kane to come to the ring. And Brian did a toe pay on to Kane out on the floor. Stephanie had security take Brian to the back. He was still going to come back out later to wrestle Batista in the main event. So this is a hot segment in terms of how the crowd was reacting, in terms of uh, further building the story for Brian and Triple H. It's obvious they're going to wrestle at WrestleMania. You know, the, the whole thing about Brian getting a title match, I still think he's getting the championship at WrestleMania. You can call me a fool if you want to. I think the end game here is that Brian ends WrestleMania with 75,000 people chanting yes, and a big championship celebration to end the pay-per-view. That's how I see WrestleMania. You want to know what I think the WrestleMania ending is? There's your WrestleMania ending right there, and I think it's going to happen. I don't know how they're going to get to that point. We have several more weeks before we have to worry about that, but I, can't, I just can't imagine 
any other ending to the show this year. I certainly can't imagine that Batista and Randy Orton, as things stand, go one-on-one in the final match on the card, and that's how the show ends with Batista winning the title. I don't see it. It's not impossible, but it's pretty damn close. I don't see that happening. So I'm just going to enjoy the ride. We'll see how they get there. I trust that in the end, things will work themselves out. And you know what? Even if it doesn't, what the hell are you going to do? Brian is in a great spot right now. If he's not in a championship match at WrestleMania, he's still in one of the main event matches. And in fact, if he's not in the title match and they have the, the guts to keep Batista versus Orton as it is, which I think they would be fucking nuts to do, but if they do that, there's no way Brian versus, uh, there's no way Batista versus Orton goes on last. So then it becomes an issue of, well, what do you put on last? The only match to me that would make sense would be Brian versus Triple H. You know, and I know, oh, Triple H, main eventing WrestleMania, but in this case, it would make sense. You can't, you just can't end the show with Batista versus Orton one-on-one. You can't do that. Any other year, I would say Undertaker's match would have to be a consideration for the main event. You know, I don't see Undertaker-Brock as being, you know, the final match on the card. You always run the risk with the Undertaker of him going out there, having a, a, a kick-ass match, even if the, his opponent has to kind of carry him physically. I think it's a combination of having the right opponent and just the aura of the streak and all the near falls, and it, it can take the energy right out of the crowd. You always run the risk when you don't put his match on last of burning out the crowd for whatever comes next. I certainly hope they don't do Undertaker-Brock and then immediately do Brian versus Triple H. I'm sure Triple H also wouldn't like that because Triple H more than once has found himself in that position having to follow the Undertaker last year, for example, and the crowd was mostly dead for his match, just like they were his match against Orton at WrestleMania 25. How could you top what Undertaker and Shawn Michaels did on that card? And how could you not know going in that those two guys were going to go out there and have the kind of match that they had? So poor Triple H has had this happen to him now really three different times at a WrestleMania. If you count the, uh, the, the Rock Hogan match at 18, and then him and Jericho went out there, and they had a good match, but the crowd didn't care. The crowd was just like, eh, whatever. Yeah, and I felt bad for, for Jericho. That's his one and only WrestleMania main event, and nobody cared. So believe me, I'm sure Triple H does not want to be put in that position again. Uh, Brian versus Triple H is the only match that makes sense for the main event unless Brian is inserted into the championship match. So I'm just going to wait and see how things play out. But like I, I was saying before, Brian is in a good position uh, compared to where he was a year ago. Look at where he is now. Supposedly, post-WrestleMania, He's, him and Cena are the, the top two guys that are going to be factored into plans going forward. Cena, number one. Brian, number two. It's not a bad spot to be in. Essentially, Brian is getting CM Punk's spot. CM Punk leaving has only helped Daniel Bryan. Because Punk was the number two guy. He was the number two babyface before. And now that spot belongs to Brian. So he'll be in a headline match at Mania. He'll get the title at some point. And, and things are going good. And he finally has some decent merchandise on top of everything else. They got rid of a lot of the crappy shirts. He's got some merchandise that I wouldn't be embarrassed to be seen wearing on the street. So, so things are going well for the guy. And, and I'm happy to see that. Unbelievable, J.J. He had it all figured out even though uh, he hadn't seen Roy yet. Yes, that's the thing you got to take in. That clip was aired before yesterday's Monday Night Raw, he was just guessing about seeing, you know, Daniel Bryan in the main event picture somehow, and he talked about, uh, as we pointed out too uh, last week, uh, when we talked about the hijacking in Chicago, 
and how the WWE was very smart in controlling that crowd. Yeah, that was it was CM Punk. It was CM Punk night in Chicago. Despite the fact he wasn't there, that crowd would nonstop throughout the three hours of Monday Night Raw. They were cheering for Punk. Occasionally, they might cheer the Usos when they won the tag titles. They cheered the Shield and the Wyatts. They cheered Daniel Bryan. But for the rest of the show, it was pretty much just CM Punk. That's all they wanted. And yet, when Daniel Bryan was out, he had a way to manipulate the crowd into cheering him and to stop cheering for Punk. And he said, you know, these people have a voice. They're going to hijack Raw, and they exploded. And he said, they're behind me. They're behind me in the Yes movement. And then what do they do? They start chanting Yes, and they jump up out of their seats. They're pointing up. They're cheering Yes. They're cheering Daniel Bryan. They're getting behind him, and that was very smart. And Triple H, again, the fans are booing him. They're chanting CM Punk while he talks. So he says, you know what, Daniel Bryan, you're a B plus, and that's better than Chicago. So then Chicago stops cheering for Punk, and they start booing Triple H. They start calling him an asshole. You know, so they were very smart at getting the people controlled and doing what they wanted them to do. And as I pointed out tonight, he took that where the fans wanted to hijack the show, and then they let them hijack the show. Instead of calling it a hijack, they do what they got to do to make it, you know, you know, politically correct, and they call it Occupy Raw. Brilliant. So whatever you know, WWE's doing, it's, it's hard to, to really to really kind of understand. Sometimes you don't see it, what, what's going on, and you, you just kind of judge them by what's happening, and you're pissed off. Mick Foley said that he was very upset, and he wasn't that excited for WrestleMania, and he said he's even gone so far to even – you know, talk to some of the people within the WWE, and they pretty much told Mick Foley, don't judge a book by its cover. Just because what you see now you don't like doesn't mean by the time you get to WrestleMania and you open that book and you start reading that book, you're going to like what you see. And I got to say, that seems to be what's happening. You're judging the book by its cover and saying, well, you know, WrestleMania 30, the biggest show of the year, I'm probably going to watch it. I'm a wrestling fan. I'm a WWE fan. But I'm not, there's this, that excitement that's missing. You know, having Daniel, having, you know, Batista and Orton, you know, yeah, it's great having them in the main event, the two Evolution guys fighting each other for the WWE Championship. Yeah, I can understand why they would go with that, but nobody wants to see that. Nobody is behind the Batista. When he came back, he had high ratings, and then he won the Royal Rumble, and the fans turned on him because they know that means he's headlining WrestleMania. He just came back, not even a week, and he's already he took in the spot where all these guys have been busting their balls for for the last year. So they turned on him. So now he's a heel going into it. You have two heels fighting for the title. Like Dominic said, that's ridiculous. When have you ever seen two heels fighting for the major championship? It's just, it's just not done. You need a guy like Daniel Bryan who's, he may not be the number one guy, but maybe he's number one and a half, especially with Punk gone. He's so over by the fans, so loved, and they've been wanting to see him be the WWE champion for a long time. Not only do they want to see him as champion, they want to see him hold on to that title for just longer than five minutes that we saw at SummerSlam. We want to have him have that, that big WrestleMania moment that you only get once in a lifetime. This is Daniel Bryan's moment. Hopefully we see that at WrestleMania 30. I can't imagine Bryan not winning the title, 
something's going to happen between his match with Triple H, but eventually he has to make it to that triple threat match because if he doesn't, it's going to be a very pissed-off crowd in New Orleans watching Randy Orton and Batista go one-on-one. They need Daniel Bryan. I think it's going to wind up like that. I really do. And he made a point that he's basically taking Daniel is CM Punk spot. Do you see it? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Punk left. That was the sort of plan. You saw the wheels going in motion. It would have made more sense to me when Punk was there to have the match between Brian and Triple H at WrestleMania. And yet, for some reason, all of a sudden Punk starts talking about the authority. All of a sudden Kane is interfering in Punk's match. And all of a sudden Kane costs Punk the Royal Rumble, the opportunity to main event WrestleMania 30. And then Punk walks out the next day on Raw, and he goes home. So what do you do now? Now the WWE is forced to kind of refigure things out. they got to plan stuff maybe all over again. They go, well, what do we do? Triple H has to have a match. You know, there was talk at the time of maybe having Sheamus versus Daniel Bryan in a redemption match where Daniel Bryan, who lost to Sheamus, lost his world title in 18 seconds for Daniel Bryan to get a big victory against Sheamus. That was something that was talked about. But, you know, again, who wants to see that? Nobody wants to see Daniel Bryan, the top guy, take on Sheamus, who's just kind of returning. Then they sort of start building up this whole thing where Kane, he sort of joined the authority. And now you have this sort of relationship between Kane and Daniel Bryan. They were team hell no. So that connection makes more sense. So now people are saying, well, maybe we'll see Kane versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. And thankfully they're not doing that. Although that's something I could see why they would do it. They're former tag team champions. Maybe you want to have a match between them at WrestleMania. But, again, it's not what the fans want. They want Daniel Bryan with the title. And as Mike Jack has said many times, you don't need the title to be the guy. I mean, the fans love him. He's doing well without the title. I mean, he has this huge yes movement following because he doesn't have the title. That's why this whole movement has been going on, because he doesn't have the title. The fans are behind him. But, you know, they still want him with the title. For some reason, you know, with the fans, it just means a lot to see your favorite guy have that title. It just is something that's unexplainable. It's just something you want to see as a fan. So now we're getting closer. It's becoming a reality. They're putting the match together. And this is all happening because Punk's not there. Punk walking out was the best thing to happen for Daniel Bryan. So, you know, it's interesting to see what could happen if he returns. Like I said earlier, if I'm having the match between Triple H and Daniel Bryan, and let's say things are worked out with CM Punk and he does return to the WWE and in time for WrestleMania, I keep him off television. I continue to do what we're doing right now, and Punk's just sort of been not just silent. He's not saying anything to anyone. And I wait till WrestleMania 30 where Kane interferes into the match, and you think, oh, crap. Now he's going to lose the opportunity to main event. He's not going to get the WWE title shot because Kane just chokeslammed him and Triple H is going to go for the pin. And now Daniel Bryan's WrestleMania dreams have been shattered. I would cue CM Punk to come running down that long, long WrestleMania aisle and come to save Daniel Bryan. And it's his sort of way of saying, screw you to the authority. We're going to give the fans what they want. 
and that's Daniel Bryan in the main event. That's how I would do it. But, again, we don't even know if Punk is working with the WWE, if he's truly done with them for now. Who knows? As you said, just for now, CM Punk will probably be, I would say, almost 90-something percent at Mania. How can he not? you got to remember, behind the scenes, he is is still under contract. That's why they built the three possible way match, because CM Punk would have been that guy. That's my opinion. But, JJ, you said there's how many matches for WrestleMania? Well, right now there's officially five. That's one counting the 30-man over-the-top battle royal for the Andre the Giant the mer- uh, Let's go memorial. through the matches that we got so far. Well, like I said, there's the Battle Royal, and there's, of course, John Cena challenging Bray Wyatt. Of course, we have The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar, and the streak is on the line. Of course, there's Daniel Bryan versus Triple H. And should Daniel Bryan win, he will be given the opportunity to be added to the match between Randy Orton and Batista for the WWE World Championship, and it will become a triple threat match. So that is the fifth match if it happens. If not, then it will just be a one-on-one match between Orton and Batista for the title. Uh, Blackjack, what do you think of the card this uh... I think it's awesome. They're uh, slowly building into it, and... um... I don't think Brian is going to win the title. It's just a given at this point, you know. All the favor isn't to him, it, it seems. But I, I can't see him winning that title. Maybe the next night on Raw. Wow. As a possibility, but to get it at Mania, I, I still think he's going to come up short. For some reason, it could be outside interference, a lot of complications regarding that match. But it's just a given. It, you know, you turn to anybody, just like the, the winner of the Rumble. We all predicted about Batista coming out and winning it. And this is a given right now. It looks like Brian. But I don't think so. Well, look, he got beaten in, what, 20 seconds a couple of years ago at WrestleMania. They made him look like a jerk. He's the most over guy in the WWE, hands down. He's the most uh, over guy in that company right now, and as I, I said before, he doesn't really uh, need that title Dominic. to win the fans over. What do you think, Dominic? Well, I'd like to see Kane try to interfere with Daniel Bryan and Triple H on behalf of Triple H, and I'd like to see the Shield come down and block Kane's way from getting to the ring. Oh. Oh, nice. And then you got Daniel Bryan just beating the balls out of Triple H. Hmm. And on the other side, have the New Age Outlaws try to come in and save Triple H. Wow. And on that side, you get the Wyatt family. <coughs> and Ooh. put everybody behind Daniel Bryan for that night. Because everybody wants to see it. Not only, not only the crowd, not only the photographers... I think all the wrestlers want to see that. They want to see that you don't have to be a big muscle-bound guy and six six foot seven in order to win the title. You could be an average-sized guy and still be the heavyweight, the heavyweight champion. 100%. Maybe that's a little far out with the Wyatts on one side, the Shield on the other, or whatever. 
But you know Kane is going to try to interfere. And we've seen Daniel Bryan get the best of him lately, just knocking him off the apron. And since (laughs) he's become corporate Kane, he can't buy a victory. (laughs) He couldn't buy a victory if if, if they handed him one and said, Kane, you're going to win tonight. He'll find a way to lose. (laughs) I think he's going to get pissed off with this corporate shit and go back to the big red monster that we knew. Amen. Okay, you're talking about the Shield. Let's take a listen. Is the Shield the greatest group ever? The Shield and the Wyatt family, I had no such problems with. I had very high expectations for this match after their pay-per-view match at Elimination Chamber, which was the best WWE match of the year so far. This one, you know, it's funny. I was thinking, which one was better? Which one did I like more? I liked the pay-per-view match more. I just felt like it was more chaotic. It was longer. I just thought overall it was a better match. But this was awesome in every conceivable way. I mean, you could say that this match was every bit as good as the pay-per-view match. It certainly wasn't any worse. Uh, this, this was just awesome stuff. I loved everything about this. It was balls-to-the-wall action. Seth Rollins was out of his freaking mind in this match. There was that, that one sequence where he did a dive out onto, I think it was Rowan on one side, got right back into the ring, immediately ran, did another dive onto Harper on the other side. I mean, he was flying all over the ring like a, like a rubber ball, and I was just thinking to myself, please don't die. I mean, there were a few times he came off the ropes, and I thought, he, okay, he's going to break an ankle, he's going to hurt his knee. He was a crazy man out there. He looked like a man possessed. He looked like somebody who was on a mission to stand out, is what it looked like to me. And if that was the, uh, the goal here, mission accomplished, because I have to tell you, after the last couple of weeks, after that match on Monday, they had that segment on SmackDown that I did see, the Shield Summit, where all three of them were in the ring together. They were trying to hash out their problems. They were slapping each other in the face and pushing and shoving, and it looked like they were going to do the big Shield breakup on SmackDown, which I laughed at. Just the thought that after all these months and months and months, they've been together a year and a half, they've been building this, this breakup now for a while, that they would actually do the breakup angle on SmackDown was laughable to me. I had one person ask me you know, if I thought they were going to do it. Of course not. On SmackDown, come on. Uh, I don't think they should do it until WrestleMania, quite frankly. And and I, I see these three guys probably wrestling each other at WrestleMania. That doesn't mean they have to break up before then. They could keep building tension, and they could come to an understanding that, listen, you know, I think the only way to settle our differences is to do it in the ring. And they make a match, maybe even for, for Ambrose's U.S. title at WrestleMania, do a triple threat. I could easily see them doing it because I don't see where else you plug these guys in. You know, they're not going to take one member of the Shield and put them in a singles match. I I don't think they're going to do Ambrose and Big E in a unification match. Uh, They could. I don't think they will. So what do you do? Are you going to take two members of the Shield and put them in a a tag match, let's say Gauntlet with the Usos and, like, two or three other teams and put them in a tag title match? Makes no sense to have the Shield fighting for the tag belt at this point if you're just going to break them up. So there is no other logical spot on the card for them unless it's against each other. So I figure that's probably what we're going to get at WrestleMania. And if we get it, I think Rollins is going over in that match. I think whatever issues there are with with Reigns and Ambrose continue, uh, Rollins ends up getting the win. And I, well, the point I was trying to make was that between that match and the Shield Summit where Rollins did most of the promo work on Friday night, his promos have come very far from where they were at the beginning. He was a little shaky on the mic when the Shield first came up. You know, Reigns was still very inexperienced if you go back and watch him then compared to now. 
Rollins wasn't exactly a great promo guy. Ambrose, I think, has always been great when it comes to that kind of stuff. Ambrose was also awesome on Friday night, but Rollins is the one who stands out to me. Rollins has really stepped up his game. He's really gone above and beyond to try to stand out because everyone's talking about Roman Reigns as the next big thing, and Dean Ambrose is awesome, and he's going to be this great heel, this great villain. But I feel like Rollins a lot of times gets the shaft, and what he's been able to do over the last couple of weeks is turn people in a different direction where I see a lot more people online, a lot more people on Twitter talking about Rollins more than anything else. Rollins has all the tools. I mean, he's good on the mic. He's awesome in the ring. He could be a great heel. He could be a great baby face. I think he could be a much better baby face, actually. I think his future, because that's what he was on NXT when he was the NXT champion, I think his future is as a baby face. But he could play either role very well. And with a guy like him, his strength as a heel is that he can bump around like a maniac. He's kind of like Dolph Ziggler in that way. So everything he does, is really, really good. And it would be a crime to overlook that just because, well, we've got big plans for Roman Reigns because he's big and he looks good, and because Dean Ambrose, well, he's Dean Ambrose, and Seth Rollins ends up, you know, toiling in the mid-card. It would be a crime if that happened because he's so much better than that. All three of these guys can be world champions at some point. Now, it probably hurts them that there's only one title. I guess they could always break them back up and kind of de-unify them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see that, but it, it kind of hurts them in that way. It hurts certain people not having two titles, although I think having one is for the better. But Rollins has stepped up his game. He, he was really impressive this week on Raw and on SmackDown. And I'm loving everything they're doing with The Shield, and the only thing that makes me sad is that they're going to break up. And I'm, I'm, in my mind, I'm going over ideas and scenarios where maybe we can get these guys kind of off on their own, on a, on a singles path without actually breaking them up because they're so damn good together. And I'm not afraid to say that to me, and I've said this for a while now, that the Shield is the greatest three-man duo that I've ever seen in wrestling. And I know there have been a lot of great trios over the years in WWE, WCW, NWA. Uh, the Freebirds gets mentioned a lot. And they were great. The Freebirds were very good. But I don't think the Freebirds were as good as the Shield. I think the Shield... And part of it is the way they've been booked, because they could have very easily been just booked into oblivion to look like every other guy they bring up. Look at some of the other guys they brought up from NXT. Look at, look at poor Xavier Woods. What the hell has he done since he got brought up? So things could have very easily gone south for these guys, but they have, they have protected them, and this is what happens when you protect guys. Here we are a year and a half later. These guys have been around, and... All three of them conceivably could be a world champion. It's amazing how that works when you actually protect guys instead of bury them or put them in a situation you know, where they're going to fail. They haven't done that with the Shield. But everything they do, they complement each other very well. You know, Reigns is the muscle and he does his thing. Ambrose is kind of crazy and off the wall and unpredictable. And like I said, Rollins is just really, really good. He's a great wrestler. And uh, I love the act. And I can't think of another trio that's better than them. And I think you have to put them up there in the upper echelon when it comes to wrestling factions. Whether it's three guys, four guys, six guys, the NWO, DX, whatever your favorite faction is. I'm not saying the Shield is number one, but you've got to put them up there. You know, they've got to be in the conversation when it comes to all-time, all-time best groups in wrestling. That's how good these guys are. So it's going to be really... A sad day, I think, when they break up, but maybe there's a way. Maybe they can somehow figure out a way to get these guys going off on their own without actually breaking them up. Maybe they could still be friends and 
I don't know. I'd, I'd have to think about that. There, you don't have to necessarily break them up. They don't have to turn on each other and all that kind of stuff. And it would be weird if, let's say, Rollins and, and Reigns became big baby faces, but Ambrose was still a heel. So how do you kind of keep them as friends in that case? But, you know, maybe, maybe there's a way. Maybe there's a way. KJ, your thoughts on uh, what he talked about as them being one of the great fractions in the WWE? Well, you know, very to hear uh, Dominic and Blackjack because, you know, they've seen a lot of the great factions. When I think of factions, you know, and tag teams, they think there's always that one guy who breaks out and becomes the star, whether it's the Four Horsemen and Ric Flair, the NWO and the Hogan. You know, Nash won the world title, too, but was he as big as Hogan? No. What, what well, happened with the uh, Hulk? Foundation, Bret Hart, not Hulk. You know, yeah, the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart went and became the star. The Rockers, what happened with Marty Jannetty? Marty Jannetty who? We haven't seen him in decades. Shawn Michaels was the star. We've always seen the, the Nation of Domination. Farouk was the leader, and yet a young guy by the name of Rocky Maivia stole the show and became The Rock, the most electrifying man in entertainment. So there's always that one guy who breaks away from the herd and becomes the guy. And with The Shield it's hard to say who is going to be that guy. A lot of people are looking at Roman Reigns. He's been giving the spotlight. He's been giving the opportunities. But then you look at a guy like Dean Ambrose, who's very well-rounded. He's someone who I said before I always had my eye on since The Shield debuted. He's got the in-ring ability. There's something about him that's unique, that's different, the way he carries himself when he's just standing there, when he's on commentary, his promos are next There's it's very hard to top that guy. When you're in a conversation with Dean Ambrose, he's going to one-up you. you know, he reminds me a lot of Rowdy Roddy Piper. He's unpredictable. I don't know what he's going to say. Seth Rollins, he's another guy. Who's, he, as they pointed out in the Raw in Chicago when he took on the Wyatts, Seth Rollins was a man possessed. The guy was a maniac. He was like a, a bouncing ball, bouncing around. He was all over the place. He was in three places at once doing you know, drop kicks and flying off the top rope, doing springboards, doing dives. The man was just everywhere. How the hell can one man be everywhere at once? I've never seen anything quite like that, you know. So it's very difficult. Again, the guy who's technically sound, you know, his uh, promos are improving. So it's very difficult to say for certain, oh, Roman Reigns is going to break out and be the guy. Does the WWE want him to be the guy? Probably. Will he be the guy? I don't know. Could it be Dean Ambrose as the top heel challenging Roman? Or what about Seth Rollins? These guys are definitely, they're, they're all very unique and very different, but they're also very good at what they do, especially as a unit. I don't, I don't know if there's anyone better than them as a team. When you see them have six-man tag matches or if you see them have a tag match, the way they work together, it makes the tag match fun. And in the division today, where the tag team division is terrible, there aren't that many great teams left in wrestling. These guys have carried that tag division and made it exciting and have had five-star matches with the Wyatts, with the Rhodes brothers. They've had uh, five-star matches with Team Hell No when Daniel Bryan and Kane were still together. They've destroyed the biggest names that the WWE has, guys like Undertaker, John Cena, The Rock, 
CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Kane, and Ziggler, they did their triple powerbomb to them. They took them out. They've been giving a lot of, you know, opportunities to be the three top guys in wrestling and to be considered possibly as one of the greatest factions of all time. They're still together, so you can't really, it's hard to say for certain what happens next with them, but what they've done in this past year has got to be unlike anything you've seen with anyone else. They've just, and they've just been so good at it. It's just hard to find that sort of chemistry between guys, whether they're in a tag team, a trio, like the Freebirds, the NWO, who, you know, the NWO, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hogan, they changed the industry. Did the Shield change the industry? No, but at the same time, did the NWO have as great of matches, actual in-ring matches? Did the NWO have five-star classics? Oh, hell no, they didn't. No disrespect to Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, I'm a big fan of them, but the Shield have put together better matches, and that's something, as a wrestling fan, I look for. I like wrestling. The Four Horsemen, Arn Anderson, Tully Bradshaw, uh, Ric Flair, some of the best in the business. But at the same time, Ric Flair was the guy who took off. He was the guy who had great matches and great promos and you kept an eye on. Arn Anderson, one of the best. But is, did he break out and have that same success? Unfortunately, no. Fans still respect him. He's still a legend in this business, no matter how you look at it. But did he break away? Was Did he have that same momentum Flair did? Unfortunately, no. But that's the thing we don't know with the Shield yet. They're still together. Their careers aren't over yet. It's hard to judge them for what they're doing you know, tomorrow and a year from now. So there's a long way to go before we can really say, are the Shield the greatest faction of all time? I don't know, but they're definitely one of my favorites. Dominic, what's your take? Wow. J.J., you covered all the bases with that, bro. That's a tough act to follow. I'll tell you, one of my favorite factions back in the day was Blassie's Army. Because at one point, Freddie Blassie had high chief Peter Maivia. Freddie, Freddie preferred res- managing foreigners. So he had high chief Peter Maivia representing Samoa. He had Waldo von Erich representing Germany. He had Spiros Arion representing Greece. He had Victor Rivera representing Puerto Rico. And there might have been somebody else in there. He had Louis Sear, uh, who was Gilles Poisson in uh, Canada. So that was his representative. He had Strong Kobayashi representing Japan. But a lot of those guys excelled more as singles. Blassie teamed them up here and there. In between, you might have Victor Rivera and Maivia. You might have Von Erich and and Arion. But no two or three guys were ever steady. Albano had guys in the past when he had Ivan Koloff and the Mongols at the same time. And even Blassie had the uh, uh, Volkov and uh, the Sheik. Yeah, right. That was at different times, though. Right. Yeah. When when Albano had the Mongols and Ivan Koloff, that was a great faction. Koloff had the heavyweight title, and the Mongols were the tag team champions. And I don't know if they were involved in too many six-man tags. Blackjack would know that. Uh, they had them on occasion. I mean, there was nothing uh, of, of magnitude that we got today, you know? Right. But, the but if, you had to, uh, if you had to put the shield 
against the Mongols and Ivan Koloff, who would you who would you put over? The Mongols, because they were more uh, uh, more power and strength. Right, right. And of course, one of the Mongols was Beppo, uh, We know him Nikolai, as, as Nikolai, Nikolai Volkov. What about the Heenan family, Dominic? You remember them? Oh, Bobby Heenan had a whole host of people all at once, all at different times. Bobby Heenan was one of the greatest managers ever to hold all the, to have all those guys. He had um, he had Harley Race. He had the Missing Link. Um, who? Haku. What? Haku. Oh, Haku. Oh, I thought you said he had who? <laughs> no, that's right. He had Haku. Um, the Islanders, he had. Um, no, Tom, um, no, the Islanders he had was different. He had Tonga Kid. He had Tonga Kid, and I forget his partner. Um, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, our friend Seeker was with Captain Lou. At the time. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. That's, when, that's when managers meant something. We don't have managers no more. Yeah. No, except for uh, maybe Paul Heyman, if you want to count him. Yeah. And those guys are not even considered his protégés. They're considered his clients. Yeah. And I don't know what happened uh, to Ryback and Curtis Axel. They can't buy a victory either. No. Uh, well, as a matter of fact... Who the heck did, they, they, did Ryback piss off? Man, he was uh, like the next Goldberg. What happened to him? Yes. And that's what well, I thought. That was the last time... Ryback won a match. A long time. Was long it this time. year? <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe a year. And even teaming up with 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 um, Curtis Axel's son. Yeah, they they can't win nothing. Well, he got the bad luck, Curtis Axel, when he joined forces with Ryback. But uh, like Blackjack said, what in God's earth did he do? <laughs> What didn't he do? I had heard he was there working stiff with a lot of guys. A lot of guys didn't want to work with him because he was hurting them for real. Probably yeah. accidentally. Yeah. It's tough. But I think he know. wanted to be pushed ahead, and he spoke out to Triple H. Yeah. And when you do that, hardly anybody gets away with that. And then you get buried. Well, CM Punk did it. Yeah. Well, CM well. Punk. See, CM Punk came in as his own man from Ring of Honor. McMahon didn't create CM Punk. McMahon created Ryback, a.k.a. Skip Sheffield. So he figures, I created him, I could do what I want with him. I can't fuck around with CM Punk because he's known all over as CM Punk. He can go to TNA and be CM Punk. Japan, Mexico, back to Ring of Honor, tour the indies as CM Punk. McMahon don't own that name. McMahon could shit all over Ryback if he wants Nobody knows who he is. Even if he goes back as Skip Sheffield and does 100 conventions, there won't be no line for him. There'll be a line for CM Punk no matter where he goes, because he'll always be CM Punk. Yeah, right. Now, though, it, uh, Daniel Bryan is probably more... Would you say Daniel Bryan, Dominic, is more over than John Cena? Yeah, no question, without a doubt. Because they chant, we love Cena, Cena sucks. More people yeah, know that Cena sucks than 
than we want Cena. He's only for the kids and, 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 and the little girlies. Daniel Bryan is for the wrestler's wrestler. JJ, your thoughts? Well, yeah. As uh, Dominic pointed out, with the fans, John Cena is 50-50. You got that 150 that they love him, and you got the other 50, the adult males, who can't stand him. So with Daniel Bryan, the difference is it's not 50-50. It's 100%. There's everyone in the arena standing up, screaming yes, pointing their hands in the air. You'll even notice the WWE camera, it pans out that you can see that widescreen of the entire arena. It's not just a crowd section here or there or a few people. It's the entire arena behind Daniel Bryan. Now, whether or not Daniel Bryan is as popular, whether mm. or not he's the, the company, it is John Cena in that regard. When it comes to merchandise, it's still John Cena. But yeah. we talk about from the fans at the arenas who go to see, they're paying to see Daniel Bryan. They want to see Daniel Bryan in the main event of WrestleMania. WrestleMania 30, not John Cena. Uh, yep. Okay, before we play you know, our I want to relate to for a minute. A guy I love in TNA who is very over. Every time it comes to be something stupid, though, they give it to this guy. And if he was in WWE, I think he'd be as over as Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. Eric Young. Oh, yeah. yeah. I said you Eric Young gets show. the crowd going like nobody does in 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 TNA. I think in, you bring him to WWE and team him up with Daniel Bryan, the Bearded Wonders or whatever. I think you got a great team, Dan. You add in Punk, you got a great faction to go up against the Shield or the Wyatts. That's a very good point. Very good point. Wait. If the WWE got Eric Young, who I'm a big fan of, he's another guy who reminds me of Dolph Ziggler. He can take a nasty bump. Eric Young is a lunatic. But uh, unfortunately, I think, as much as I'm a fan of him, the thing is, if the WWE got a, a hold of him, they would screw it up. And you know what they would do? They would team him up with Santino Morella, and they'd be the two goofballs. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. God damn. All right, you know, I want to let you know something. Uh, if you've got Time Warner, somebody left this on my hotline. Channel 1023, all right? It's called Sports and Fitness On Demand. they got to give me a minute for this to download. There's right. On, what? No, I said right. Yeah, on uh, Time Warner. 10:23. If you have it, it's sports and fitness on demand. And give me a minute here for it to, to download. All right. On the left-hand part of the screen, they give you anything that you could click on to: football, baseball, poker. You click on to wrestling, and you press select in the remote control. It is what you can watch for free now. You ain't paying for this. Barbarian against Sergeant Slaughter, 15 minutes from 1986. This has the AWA. All right? Wow. Then after that, you got the Iron Sheik against Baron Von Raschke from the International Amphitheater. Um, that's wow. nine minutes. Then for 14 minutes after that, you got Jimmy Snooker, Kurt Hennig, and Greg Gagne in a six-man tag Ooh. teaming up against this is even better. Um, Doug Summers, 
Colonel De Beers and Larry Zabisco. Wow. Wow. That's AW. That's probably AWA stuff as well. Now, Dominic, is this the same stuff? Can you get this stuff, what you just mentioned, on the WE network? Probably not. Probably not. This is what I've been saying. Yep. I've been saying this. This is why, you know, fans of our era, I guess, don't really can want to engage into this stuff because we can still get it off these off these other sites and what have you there. Yep. That's exactly what I've been saying. You can yep. always still be able to get the old time classic wrestling. Yep. Here, Jimmy Snooker teaming with Greg Gagne in a steel cage match against Barbarian and Bruiser Brody. Yeah, now we're talking business here. Twenty two minutes. Jerry Lawler against Mr Perfect Kurt Henning. From the oh. WW from AWA, wow. rise and fall of Razor Ramon. This is only 18 minutes, but it's all about Scott Hall's career. This is only no, eight my. minutes. This was a TV match. Shawn Michaels against Buddha Khan from AWA, and the big one, Larry Zbyszko against Harley Race. 22 minutes from the Ooh. AWA 1990. Wow. wow. 1990. They told me at Time Warner they're not exactly sure when they change it. Could be any day, could be any month. Just check the check the channel every day and just see what's there. There's always going to be wrestling on there, and it's free. Well, cool. yeah, we get we, in Cablevision. You get certain uh, TNA matches uh, monthly on free on demand. Uh, but we never, we don't get matches like what you described. You know, just impact matches. Oh, so I guess impact that's stuff we've that's already been on TV. Yeah. And oh, okay. That's right. So uh, that's that. Okay, before we play the next clip, uh, let's plug a, a few things. Uh, Dominic, uh, wrestling fans around the world, check out Dominic's hotline. Updated every single day with pay-per-view updates, with birthdays. With, with matches, with everything. Dominic, tell them about that. Well, speaking about birthdays, Blackjack, happy no birthday, bro. No kidding. You remembered. Jesus well, I put Christ. it on the hotline, too. 212-629-1900. Oh, my goodness. One more time, Dominic. Black, Blackjack, you're another year, year older, my brother. Yes. It's Blackjack Brown's birthday. <laughs> Holy cow. You 65 cow. yet? Not yet. Oh, all right. <laughs> Sometimes I feel you. like I am. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, I don't know if anybody's been following the Oscar P. trial, the Blade Runner. Did he kill this girl in accident? Was it a fatal accident or was it a real killing? Tomorrow I'll find out when uh, CNN analyst Mickey Sherman and Richard Herman join us. And uh, we will get to our WrestleMania moments after this final clip. Now, the clip is about Hulk Hogan. Why did he never have a meaningful program with Jake the Snake Roberts? Let's take a look. Jake Roberts. And then we found out that Jake the Snake Roberts is the second inductee announced for the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2014. He joins the Ultimate Warrior. Two legends from my childhood, both very deserving. So that may explain why there was no Rumble cameo for Jake. 
And Jake has come a long way. We all know the story. He's cleaned up his act. I mean, he's had a few slip-ups, and he may have more in the future. But by and large, he is doing as well as he has done in probably most of his adult life. And a lot of that is due to DDP's intervention. And if anything, I would have DDP do the induction for Jake at the at the Hall of Fame. I think it would be appropriate. By the way, on, on the DDP front, totally having nothing to do with any of this, I saw that DDP is going to be on uh, Shark Tank, which is that show on ABC where you make a pitch, whatever your invention or your product is or your service, and uh, they're looking for investors. See, this is this is how they could have done this with TNA. They could have had Dixie Carter go on Shark Tank and be like, I need a new investor. Would one of you be my new investor? Maybe Mark Cuban could have been the new investor in TNA. You see, there's some cross-promotion there. That would have gotten TNA on ABC, would have given them some exposure. I'm thinking too much about this. But he, yeah, DDP is going to be on Shark Tank February 21st. When the show comes back, he's going to be pitching DDP Yoga on the show. So anybody who's a fan of Shark Tank like I am, or just wants to see what happens, that's uh, on the 21st. You can check that out. Back to Jake. He has come a long way. He was knocking on death's door plenty of times in his life. There was a moment on this show many, many years ago, one of the early sound-offs I did when I was going off on Jake and I was going off on Scott Hall, who also seems to be doing very well now thanks to DDP. Uh, And I said I didn't think Jake Roberts was going to live another five years. I thought within the next five years, Jake the Snake was going to be dead. And I'm sure Jake the Snake felt the same way. Jake has done interviews where he says, I can't understand how so many of my friends and so many of my colleagues over the years who did a lot of the same stuff that I did, the drugs and everything else, they're gone, and of all the shit that I've done, I'm still here. He can't even understand it, but he is. And he's looking good, and I'm happy for him. I'm happy to see him going into the Hall of Fame. I'm happy to say I was wrong. He has turned his life around. He's turned a new leaf. And that's really, really cool. And and Jake is one of those guys who did not need to hold a championship to get over or to stay over, for that matter. And he's more than deserving of a Hall of Fame nod, even without holding a belt in WWE. He was never a top guy, but he was always near the top. You know, his feuds with Ricky Steamboat, Ravishing Rick Rude, Andre the Giant, Ted DiBiase, of course, Randy Savage, my favorite. He did have a pay-per-view main event in WCW one time with Sting. I think it was that coal miner's glove match where his own snake bit him on the face at the end of the match. Uh, legit, and he had to pry it off. He never worked with Hogan, aside from some house show matches. Uh, they were partners at Survivor Series one year, but that was about it. And I've always been intrigued by the Hogan-Jake thing, because I remember hearing about the angle that was shot when Hogan was in the midst of his run with the belt. He was at the, the peak of his popularity during the Hulkamania boom and Jake was a heel at the time, and there was a segment that was taped. And I, I had a search for the date, but I thought about this before, and I looked it up, and it sounds like it would have been November 23, 1986, on Wrestling Challenge. So this did air. Jake interviewed Hogan on his uh, Snake Pit segment. That was his interview segment at the time. The idea was that it would set up Hogan's next feud with Jake because Hogan needed a heel to be fed at the time. The problem is, when the segment was over, Jake laid Hogan out with the DDT. And people in the building cheered. Maybe not everybody, but enough to to where it was very noticeable. And Hogan and Vince McMahon freaked out over the reaction. And and they nixed the whole feud because the last thing they wanted was for Hogan to get booed at the buildings and for Jake to get over as a babyface. So they killed it to protect Hogan. And they uh, they turned Roberts, rather, uh, babyface a couple months later. That's when they did the angle where Honky Tonk Man just killed him with a guitar shot over the head. That gave Jake... uh, uh, pretty serious neck injury, and, and I don't think he ever really fully recovered from that. Uh, 
I'm not sure if, if the guitar was, wasn't gimmicked or if Honky was just being reckless, but, I mean, it was a brutal shot. Anyway, as, as best as I can tell, the segment did air on Challenge, but what they did in most markets was they cut the segment off at the point that Hogan walked off the set. I think he got all upset over Jake, uh, his questions or something like that, and he walked off. That's what most people would have seen. Live in the building, the segment continued, and Hogan came back and he got DDT'd, and I believe the one market where the full segment did air was on television in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, because Hogan and Jake had some house show matches in the Providence market coming up after the segment aired, and they left it in there for those people to help beef up uh, ticket sales for those events. That that angle set up those matches in the Providence market. I think they had a match in December. I know there was a match in January of 87. That's uh, it's in the house show records if you look it up. I find this all fascinating. I'm a wrestling nerd. What can I say? Uh, Hogan versus Jake would have been a, a cool feud had they given it a chance. You know, you do that match today with Hogan as the Superman babyface and Jake as the heel, and I guarantee you the crowd turns on Hogan and cheers Jake. I mean, that, that goes without saying. But, I mean, this was in 1986. I mean, that was hardly an era of, of you know, smart marks and Internet fans and all that kind of stuff, and they cheered Jake when he laid out Hogan. So I wish that full segment was available online somewhere. I'm kind of surprised they didn't put it on the uh, the Jake DVD they put out many years ago, Pick Your Poison, which I have a copy of. It's actually very good. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't put it on there as an extra. You know, it is super, super rare stuff. So maybe one day we'll see it, maybe on the network. You know, if they want to put some really rare stuff on there, that would certainly qualify. Wow, JJ, what's your thoughts of hearing that? Well, that was definitely very interesting, and it just goes to show you the different time between now and then. And, you know, back then, they, they, they wanted to protect their guy. Nowadays, that seems very normal. Oh, they, tor- they turned on the good guy, they're cheering the bad guy. That happens all the time now. In fact, if, I'm surprised more people aren't cheering the heels. The heels are more over than the baby faces. But, you know, 1986, you know, wow, that the, the fans would just turn on Hogan, who – you know, Hulkamania was at the peak, at the top of the WWE back then. It was, it was Hulkamania. It, everyone was running wild. They were wearing their red and yellow. They loved Hogan. You know, eat your vitamins, say your prayers. And yet here comes Jake the Snake, you know, that's one of the heels back then. DDT's Hogan. And all of a sudden people are like, yeah, that was pretty cool, man. Let's back up this guy. And it scared the WWE. You know, this was something that it just wasn't the thing then. It wasn't supposed to happen. And they got scared. They nixed it. And they kept Jake away from Hogan. They flipped Jake. They made him a face. And now people are cheering him. They like him. He's got the snake. You know, they're into him. And we never saw that again. And it's hard to, to say. I think it's just a different time. You know, if, if it was today, it would probably happen again. The people would still be behind Jake, and they'd probably boo Hogan. Even though Hogan, right now, he came back to the WWE. Everybody loves him again. But if you put him in the ring with another heel, a heel that everybody loves, they're going to turn on Hogan. It happened with The Rock at WrestleMania. The Rock was the good guy. Hogan was the heel. They didn't care. They were cheering Hogan. It didn't matter. So, you know, it's, it's just, you know, the wrestling fans, you know, they're going to cheer who they want to cheer. And if they get tired of somebody, they're going to start cheering the other guy. And 
I guess this was something that even happened then, which is amazing to me that, you know, I guess not much has really changed with wrestling fans. You know, it's, uh, it's very interesting. I would have loved to have seen Hogan and, uh, you know, Jake the Snake work together, especially over the title. My God, you know, can you imagine Jake the Snake, the WWE champion back then? That would have been insane. Oh, my. But then it would have. It would have ruined, you know, WrestleMania three. It would have ruined, you know, all the things they were doing with Hogan, who was, you know, the number one guy. He was, you know, creating this pop pop phenomenon with, you know, mainstream media. And, you know, maybe that could have really hurt it. Maybe it could have. Maybe Vince was afraid to kill that momentum. He wanted Hogan to be the guy, to be unbeatable, to be the number one guy, and to see that maybe he wasn't the number one guy. Maybe the guy he you know, chose to you know, represent the WWF. At the time, you know, maybe he wasn't the guy. Maybe there was somebody else, and then that kind of puts a little friction. You know, what do we do now? So they said, well, you know what? They just got to nix it. They got to take care of business, and unfortunately, Jake Roberts, you know, had to suffer. It's a shame. But, you know, Vince did what he thought was best. Absolutely, Dominic, your thoughts on the feud that never was. Yeah, I will. I always liked Jake. I thought Jake could have taken the title from, from Hogan, but they just never did it because probably Hogan said, I don't want to lose, brother. I don't want to lose to that dude with the snake, Jack. So probably that's why they didn't do it. I think Jake could have destroyed Hogan. I was never a Hogan fan. I couldn't stand him. I like Hogan now in the position of authority. I loved Hogan yeah. in TNA as a position of authority. Yeah, but when yeah. it came to wrestling, he couldn't wrestle a lick. No, besides maybe one, two, three matches, uh, you're right. I don't remember any, you know, The Rock was a classic match, I guess, some would say. <laughs> so, got that one, but I can't think of uh, Hulk Hogan matches. Although he did work good with Randy Savage, uh, a lot of people. Hogan. I mean, so who didn't work well with Randy Savage? Randy Savage was a great technician, a great worker. You know, he made people look good. Yeah, he could bring the best out of anybody, Macho Man. He was just that good. It's a shame we never saw a high-profile HBK Shawn Michaels, Randy Savage match. I know it happened, but like at a WrestleMania or something like that, how good would that have been, J.J.? Oh, my God, a dream match. I mean, like I said, one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history. People still talk about it today. You know, Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat. A lot of people look at one of the greatest WrestleMania matches, Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart, the Iron Man match. To take Savage and Michaels and to have their own, you know, let's say WrestleMania match, it just would be uh, unbelievable. It would be just an instant classic Michael's doing everything he can, Savage doing everything they can, going at each other full force, and just make it a truly uh, spectacle. It would be unbelievable. The fans would be going crazy. Oh, no question, no doubt about it. Okay, let's go to the WrestleMania moment as we are now. Uh, Let's see. We are a week, two weeks, three weeks. Three weeks uh, away from WWE WrestleMania. Let's go for the, uh, a moment in WrestleMania time. Let's start off with Black Jack Brown from the Chicago Yeah, I'll, I'll say uh, a good match I remember was um, 
John Studd versus Andre the Giant at Madison oh, Square Garden, wow. WrestleMania 1. Oh, my God. That was an amazing, amazing match. Let me uh, go back to uh, WrestleMania 6 when it was The Undertaker's debut, and uh, he went on to beat Jimmy Superfly Snooker. We know Ultimate Warrior and Hogan came later, but this began an era that lasted over... uh, uh, 18, 19, 20 years already, and uh, he still hasn't lost at WrestleMania. So give me Superfly Jimmy Snooker against the Dead Man, The Undertaker at WrestleMania 6 at the Toronto Sky Dome. Let's go over to you, JJ. It's your turn. What do you have for a WrestleMania moment? I would go probably with WrestleMania 21, Shawn Michaels versus the Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle considered one of the greatest wrestlers, you know, real technical wrestlers. I mean, like I said, the guy's a gold medalist for crying out loud. Going up against Shawn Michaels, Mr. WrestleMania, these guys put on an outstanding match for it was a damn near 30 minutes long. It was an unbelievable match between these guys. Just uh, another really great, solid match. Sean sacrificing his body with those those moonsaults off the, the turnbuckles to the announce table. I mean, it was just uh, incredible. And Kurt Angle keeping up with him every step of the way. Just a really great wrestling classic. Oh, yeah, from A to Z. All right, Dominic, do you have one in mind this week? Yeah. Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. I think J.J. said that one last week. That was an awesome well, match. They had two matches uh, at two separate WrestleManias. Which one are you referring to? I'm going to go with the, the second one. one because, the, yeah, the second the, one. The second one outdid the first. You didn't think you could follow that act, but they did. That's true. Yeah. That was an unbelievable match. I remember thinking Shawn might even take it. Yeah, that was, was a classic five-star five star match. And uh, we'll see. Will WrestleMania live up to these WrestleManias that we're mentioning? We will hope so. It's the 30th anniversary. So uh, I don't even know why it's not in New York, but that's another story for another day uh, since it is an anniversary show. 20 was in New York, 10 was in New York, and 1 was in New York. And I believe Blackjack was at all three of those uh, that I just mentioned. Yes, I was. uh, Yes. Uh, That's the story with that. And, uh, of course, call Dominic at 212-629-1900. Follow us on Facebook at King Jordan Radio and Twitter at Mr. King Jordan. Thank you guys for uh, joining us. Uh, Blackjack, Chicago Sad Time, uh, Dominic, the Wrestling Hot Seat, and JJ, the Wrestling Insider. Dominic, JJ, King, it was a pleasure as always. Happy to be here with you guys every week. We love it. Absolutely, happy. man. And happy birthday to Blackjack. Thank you, yes, JJ. Happy birthday, thank Blackjack. You. Dominic, thank you, my brothers. Uh, you're welcome, man. Anytime it's your birthday, I'll remember it. 
Let's leave you with uh, Daniel Bryant. Take care, everybody. <laughs>